Welcome to the Future Is podcast, where we explore the future of your life and business. I'm your host, Joe Tobis, and today we're going to talk about how schools and universities are preparing to welcome students back this fall. So many universities and schools switched to remote online classes last spring as the coronavirus swept across the U.S. and the world. The school year now approaching in the fall, university administrators, school district superintendents, faculty, staff are having to make a ton of changes to adhere to the guidelines set by their local governments and also just to encourage social distancing and, and safe health practices. Some interesting stats as we get into this conversation. As of early August, about one in four universities are planning to have primarily in-person instructions, according to tracking by the College Crisis Initiative. That project includes data collected by Davidson College on nearly 3,000 colleges' reopening plans. And while the majority of schools are offering both hybrid plans and online classes, quite a few are looking at in-person and figuring out how to get their students, faculty, and staff back safely. So to tackle this today, I'm joined by Jeff Kimball, Honeywell's Chief Commercial Officer, and Patrick Hogan, the Chief Commercial Officer for Honeywell's Building Technologies business. And they're going to help me break down what campuses are going to look like in the new normal. So Jeff, Patrick, welcome. Thanks, Joe. Hey, Joe. Thank you. Jeff, I'm curious from your perspective, Honeywell is developing a lot of solutions to help people get back to work, back to school, back to life. When you look at this schools and universities, what are some of the concerns that leaders in colleges are looking at to bring their students and faculty back to campus. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And, uh, you know, certainly, as you say, it is a very unique time. There is no question about that. Um, as we have reached out and had discussions with several universities and school districts, uh, you know, one of the things that the administrators and executives tell us is, you know, in their, in their lifetimes, um, they've certainly not faced a challenge like this. So it's a very, it's a very big challenge and a very real challenge that they're facing. Um, and to answer your question about, you know, some of the specific concerns and challenges that they have, um, there's, they're, they're sort of taking shape in, in two different directions. On one side of the equation, there is the challenge of how do you make the facilities safe? How do you make them clean? How do you deal with the technical challenges of that? Um, and then on the other side of the equation is how do you assure students that it is safe and, it, and the buildings are clean? And so, there's a technical angle to this, which is how do you actually, you know, sanitize the air and clean the clean the facilities. But then there's also a uh, a reassurance angle and a communications angle to it as well. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges underneath those two points. But those are broadly speaking the the two areas of concern that, that everybody uh, seems to have. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And and if you think about it, um, you know, I think most people when you think the technology are only thinking about. How do you make it healthier or safer or or or, fo or focused on on improving the health? But like you said, as a as a parent, one of the things I'm thinking about is how do I know if they're if they're if the, my schools are doing what they need to get done? You're absolutely right. So so Patrick, then what kind of technology are we looking at to help address those two areas, both um, addressing the technical side of getting things safe and, and addressing the concerns and then 
assuring students and parents and staff that uh, that it is, in fact, uh, working. Yeah, Joe, I think it really comes down to two outcomes that we're trying to help the colleges and the, the elementary schools and the colleges, you know, all, all over the world is what kind of risk do they have to manage? And then how can we help them in two areas? One is around, as you mentioned, the buildings, the surfaces, the air quality, and that can be everywhere from the dormitories through to classrooms, sporting facilities, laboratories, huge property owners of colleges. And that's, uh, there isn't just one building, obviously they're all very different types of applications. And then the other one is, is the occupants of those properties and those premises, whether it's students, whether it's visitors, whether it's faculty staff, contractors coming on site to fix around that. So we've kind of tried to help our, uh, our college partners in two areas. One is about making the building safer and helping them to know how and why that's happening. And that's predominantly in the area of a number of technologies, Joe, leveraging a lot of the um, infrastructure they already have around heating, airflow, ventilation, um, also looking at their security and their access controls. And what that will do is make the building safer through a number of ways. One, by cleaning the air uh, that, that uh, we all breathe, because that's obviously the biggest medium of COVID retransmission. And we have a number of technologies from using indoor air quality sensors that can test how, uh, how fresh is the air and actually drive the building management systems to refresh the air with outside air, so that way you get a cleaner flux mm -hmm. of air through the building. Simple, right? But it's uh, don't, right. don't open the window, don't shut the HVAC down, but really invest in the technologies that you have and get them to work at these predefined uh, levels of humidity, temperature, airflow change that have really been thoughtfully put together by big government agencies like the CDC here in the States and ASHRAE and other governing bodies. So that's one area. So use the infrastructure you have to make your air cleaner, and that will really help. When you combine that with the surfaces, so in addition to all the uh, cleaning and hygiene that people are going to do, we're also looking at ways to really try to automate and augment the cleaning of the, predominantly the surfaces that the students and the faculty will touch every day. So where they sit in the classroom, their dormitories uh, and so forth. So using uh, technologies such as ultraviolet C lighting, UVC lighting, is a relatively novel way to sterilize the virus so it can't replicate. And we can actually work with um, access controls, so things like cameras and badge access that you typically find in a large campus, and prove that the room might be like a library, but no one's in there. So it's safe to use this overhead lighting to actually sterilize the virus and on all the surfaces. Where you can't get to, Joe, from just overhead lighting, Honeywell's come out with uh, these kind of mobile carts. So think of it like a, a beverage cart you see in an airplane. That can also be applied with UV lighting to walk around uh, different surfaces. So it might be tables or desks and make sure that they also get that extra dose in a very safe, controlled way. Right. Then what we do is people want to know that that happened. How do I know it's safe to come back or send my children? Well, we're collecting all those massive points of data, putting it into the cloud in a very cyber secure way and feeding that back into a simple dashboard. And that dashboard works at the college faculty level or the facilities management level, uh, telling them all the different KPIs and measurements that indicate a safe building from a, uh, an air control or a surface sanitation. But it also can be used in a simple way to 
put on the mobile phones of all your students that that building is safe, that it's clean to all the latest standards, and they can go in and uh, feel good about returning to the classroom or to the sporting facility. So that's the building, Joe. The other half of the equation are the people. How do you control the behaviors and the occupant activities? So when people get into a building, everything changes, right? So that beautiful, clean building with all the signage and the hand sanitizer will only work for the first five minutes until hundreds of students and faculty come back to class. So here we can help people by um, enforcing the workflow or the traffic through the building, making sure they just go in maybe uh, different directions to keep away from each other and enforce that social distancing. We've brought in cameras, the latest thermal imaging camera technology from Honeywell that can actually detect at the tear duct level the internal body temperature and really get these very early indications of whether people have the early symptoms of a fever. We can then match that with access control, meaning the turnstile or the gate. So we'll let them in based on, are they allowed to be in that room? Does it tie in with their roster? Are they in the right class? Are they trained or within the safe conditions? All of that just makes the building a lot more controlled. And then should anything happen, Joe, such as someone is infected, we can work out who they were in proximity of, were they close within a certain time, and we can actually then go back and contact trace and help those people recover quickly and then get the class back to its, uh, its normal census status. Great. Thanks, Patrick. So, Jeff, as we're thinking about solutions across Honeywell that can be deployed to help universities and school districts, I've seen some interesting technologies that are being applied elsewhere. For instance, Patrick talked about UV lighting and the technology we're using robots. I've seen that applied by our aerospace team. What are some of the examples where we're showcasing some technologies across the businesses to support places like schools and universities? Yeah, so so you're exactly right on the on the UV uh, sanitization. Our aerospace team is uh, demoing and, in fact, uh, selling those units today to several airlines around the world. And you know, in the airline use case, they're using them in between flights to push the carts up and down the plane and advertise the services. So. Um, that's something that started out uh, as a solution for the airlines. And then as Patrick was explaining, uh, our engineering teams have come up with a way to extend that into uh, other use cases for other, uh, uh, other customers and other partners. And, uh, and you know, that includes uh, offices for workers that are coming back. They want to make sure that their offices are sanitized. And so uh, we're working with a lot of companies to, to do that in the office environment. And then in schools and universities, um, we're, you know, we're using it in the mobile way that Patrick described, but also our building technologies team have um, UV sanitization capability they can embed into the HVAC system so that it's um, treating the air in that way. So that's an example of technology that, uh, you know, we, we kind of were using in some HVAC applications, our aerospace team designed it for airlines. And then we're, you know, finding new use cases in, in buildings and universities as well. So, um, so that's one example. There's, you know, there's other examples where we're doing some interesting thing with uh, interesting things with sensors where we can track, for example, um, cleaning carts. So if you think about a university or a school or a sports stadium where um, high risk areas such as restrooms need to be cleaned frequently, um, 
we've come up with some technology solutions where you can use sensors to verify that that cleaning is being done on time. And you can, you can channel all that data back to the central control room so that the facilities manager is, uh, is making sure that, um, that the cleaning crews are complying with the protocols. So those are just a few examples. No, it's, and it's an important one. Um, that's, it's really interesting. It, it seems so basic and logical, uh, the concept of just natural cleaning and hygiene of, of bathrooms and, and surfaces. But in today's world, it, it couldn't be more important. And to the point that was made up front about assurance, the ability for us to know that those precautions are being taken is, is so critical. And there's another example of that where, you know, we're getting lots of interest from, uh, from corporations, from schools, from, from sports teams, um, to your point about assurance in uh, what we call a healthy dashboard, which is basically taking the data and the information that's being generated by the building control system and simply displaying it in a very prominent way so that the occupants uh, or the students or the staff can visually see that the air is being turned over, that the temperature and humidity are in safe ranges, et cetera. And uh, we're getting a lot of interest in those dashboards. Um, and it's just a digital display of, of, the, uh, of the different data that's being collected by the building management system. And it's, and it's being used as a way to show people that uh, that things are you know being managed and are being cleaned. So it's a, it's another interesting example of that. Joe, Joe, I would uh, you know I would give you another example where Honeywell's ex- expansive breadth has been applied from one industry into the schools. So a good example in our oil and gas business, we're a world leader in remote monitoring because it's very important when you have you know very um, hazardous areas like offshore platforms or big large refineries. We've been able to help our customers to monitor and control from safe distances and keep those systems running uh, 24-7, often without a lot of knowledge uh, at the local site, but using our expertise to run, to run that operation. Well, think of the operation of a school, as I mentioned, many, many large properties, lots of different people, lots of different disparate systems that have never had to be managed centrally before. A lot of them have been left unattended now for maybe five months while the colleges have been shut down. So being able to cyber secure in a cyber secure way to connect back to those systems, turn them on, make sure that the fire alarm panels, the security systems, uh, measuring smoke, measuring any other hazard or, or, or a security hazard, all of that has to come back, Joe, before you can bring you know the students back safely to the property. And that's been really hard to do because you've had to bring people into the building, and, and, and that's a risk, right? Whether they're contractors or facilities management. Now you can take that oil and gas analogy, and we've been able to create a building solution that's very affordable, test the system, check for it, make sure everything's back working. And then as uh, Jeff mentioned, bring it back to that healthy dashboard in a way that even the principal of the university can understand what's going on with their building environment and whether it's green uh, and everything's kind of okay to go back. So that remote cyber secure operation is a great example of taking Honeywell capabilities to a very different application where it's much needed. One of the things that um, uh, a lot of universities are are grappling with, and whether it happens in the fall or in the winter or or maybe even in the spring, is is bringing back game day and sports in general. I know we're doing quite a bit to help both colleges and professionals get back in the game, but I'm curious, Jeff. What are we doing in, in that respect? As a big sports fan, obviously, I, I love this concept and I love the ability to, 
connected to college sports and professional sports? Yeah, we're actually doing a lot. And uh, as you said, we're, uh, we're engaged with uh, several sports teams in, in all of the different, uh, different leagues and areas. And, you know, it's interesting because the, the challenges that they have are um, very similar to what we've been discussing, um, the challenges to be with universities or schools or corporations for that matter, which is, uh, which is on one hand, they need to make sure that the air quality is high. They need to make sure that services are sanitized. They need to make sure that the staff, the employees, the fans, in the case of sports, sports teams, um, feel confident that, uh, that all of that is being done. And then I guess the other added dimension that we haven't explicitly talked about yet on this, on this show is uh, making sure that people have access to personal protective equipment, whether that be masks or face shields or whatnot, um, uh, as well as the social distancing that, um, that Patrick kind of referenced earlier and, and having a way to make sure that social distancing is being complied with. So, you know, specifically the solutions we're working with sports teams on really encompass all of that. It's all of the air quality solutions. It's the PPE and masks. It's the dashboards to, to display that things are being, you know, being done at the, and that the environment is safe. Um, it's, it's video analytics to make sure that people are complying with the PPE and the social distancing protocols. So, all of that is coming into play in the sports world. And then, you know, the other, the other part of this too, is that um, we have a lot of solutions that are geared towards travel. So, you know, hotels and airplanes and airlines, and all of that is coming into play with the sports teams as well, because of course that's part of their, their world also. So, um, you know, the sports, the sports example is an interesting one because it really hits on a very broad range of concerns and, and, issues that must be dealt with. As we think about college campuses and schools in general, I'm curious, Patrick, what your take is about the future of them. You walk onto the campus in September, it's going to be very different than one year ago. What 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 does it look like um, in the year ahead on college campuses? Yeah, I think that's hard to predict by different parts of the world, Joe, but I think what we can say is it will be fundamentally different. And I think the Everyone who enters and, and works and lives and kind of gets educated on a campus or a school will be, I think, a lot more digitally informed. I think people will be able to have real-time decision-making about how and when they go to their classes. Obviously, the utilization of the building, uh, how much work is or study is done in, in class versus remote, that is going to be, I think, fundamentally changed for many, many students. So, probably indefinitely, Joe, around that. I think, too, that the investments that we're making in, in making the buildings safer, as, as, as Jeff mentioned, you know, more, more sanitized, et cetera, that's, that's relatively a short-term goal to get people back and feel comfortable about being in that environment. What we see, too, is that same technology will also create a funding mechanism for the colleges to pay for this critical investment, Joe. So a good example through energy savings, through meeting their sustainability goals, which actually is a big attraction for students when they make their personal choices to invest in a college. These are, these are, these are outcomes that can be generated by having a smart, intelligent building, uh, edge devices uh, securely connected to a cloud and a big analytics environment. So what we're suggesting too to our partners in schools and colleges is this is not a short-term uh, throwaway investment. This technology will help you have 
more sustainable buildings, healthier buildings where whether it's a sporting activity or just learning. There's a lot of good data, Joe, that says students do better when they have clean air, when, when they're in a safer environment, uh, less distracted. So I think we're going to be a lot more aware of our environment when it comes to education and to educators. We're going to have to be very flexible about the use of the building. And I think our technologies have to be much more dynamic, much more predictive, so that people can use the assets in a very different way, but continue to reassure the individuals it's safe, it's compelling, it's a much more productive and actually much more affordable workspace, learning space than it's ever been before. And I would just add to that if I could. I think, you know, I think the word remote and digital come to mind, which is, you know, just as we've seen with shopping, for example, where people, you know, during this crisis have really accelerated their online shopping. I think that digital in the education space takes the form of digital learning. It takes the form of digital control of the buildings and the environment like we've been talking about. And even even when students return, as you pointed out with your statistic at the beginning, it's going to be in a limited capacity in the beginning. And I think that, you know, for some time, there's going to be some element of remote learning and remote communication with students. And and so I really think the whole area of digital control and digital communications is just going to continue to be part of the new reality. Yeah, Jeff. And I think parents, students and educators, faculty will have choices, right? They'll to use that information to make a decision about where they want to come and study, where they want to send their children, you know, where they want to come back to work. So I think, Joe, you're going to see, uh, as well as the normal rankings of why you go to one college over another, I think the ability to provide a safe, healthier environment, that's also going to become a a factor in people's investment decisions. You're absolutely right. Both of you make really, really insightful views of of the future of, of both college campuses and schools in general. and But I'm not letting you off the hook just yet, Patrick and Jeff. You guys, just like all the other guests on my show, have to go through and answer the three questions I ask of all my guests. Patrick, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a world-class chemist and solve big problems for people with diseases. Jeff, when you were a kid, what did you want to be? I wanted to be a, an engineer for NASA. So, Jeff, what piece of technology, not your phone, would you not be able to live without? And we edited it in, Jeff and Patrick, because everybody said their phone. So you're probably not going to let me say my computer then either, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, could, I could live with it, but why your computer? Yeah, I think so. Because I, uh, you know, I'm a pretty digital guy in my life. I mean, I use my computer for all the normal things that one does, email, surfing the web, all that good stuff. Uh, But my family, you know, I also use it as a way to keep in touch with my family who we all live kind of all over the place. And so we're big FaceTimers and uh, video conferencing uh, people. And um, it really is, in all seriousness, one of the ways that I keep in touch with my friends and family. Patrick, how about you? Well, I'm going to say my Alexa. Is that allowed? <laughs> yep. But if I keep saying her name, she's probably going to join the conversation. <laughs> we, we, have, we have five in my house that I'm aware of. And wow. uh, I just like, I mean, I can get on a piece of like, you know, my garage is now my gym, of course. So, you know, the news gets read to me. I know the weather. I can turn on thermostats. I set reminders. I sometimes even do the chores that I should have done. You know, it just like I, I, I like to listen to a lot of music and 
just setting those things up. So very cool. Yes. Alexa, um, big in my house as well. All right. Last question for you both, starting with you, Patrick. I think this is an indication of personality, generally speaking. How many unread emails are in your inbox right now? Yeah, I mean, there's a few, Joe. I mean... Uh, <laughs> there's a few in the thousands? 5,456. But I copy myself a lot, Joe, so I think most of those are to me. <laughs> Jeff, how about you? Unread emails in your inbox. Seven. No way. I uh, I think it is an indicator of personality, as you said, because I... <laughs> I am a big uh, filer, so I have a pretty intricate filing system in my email, and I can't stand having unread emails in my inbox, so I immediately file things. Hey, guys, thanks for taking the time to uh, to talk to me and get to know a little bit more about what we're doing to get campuses and, and schools back running again. Appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Joe. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. If you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review where you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to go behind the scenes of future technology. Mm-hmm.